Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Sunday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is August 9th, almost, wherever you are. Uh, how we doing? Andy, how we doing? <laughs> Brendan, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing all right. I, uh, I feel bad. I, I have to issue an apology here. About I have what? to get out in front of it. I tweeted when Brooks Kepka was coming up the 18th that if he made a birdie <laughs> putt, we were going to get the Bryson-Brooks pairing, and I was wrong. You know why I was wrong? Why? Because you're Cause an I'm, idiot. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah, I figured you would. Is that the worst tweet of your life? If it's the worst tweet of your life, you're doing okay. Well, it's reminiscent of uh, Saturday at the Masters last year. I, was, I didn't want to bring it up. I was wondering if we would go there. I didn't, I didn't know if that was a wound or if you were allowed to make fun of you for that. But why do you elaborate on, on what you're talking about? I almost went there, but I didn't know if that was a sensitive uh, subject. I got some intel that Michael McDermott was going to be replacing <laughs> Jeff Knox as the, the, the weekend marker of the Masters, and it was bad intel. So here we are. And, and it took off, and then it was not the case. Hey, you know we're being bad hosts here. We haven't even disclosed that we are joined by a third party tonight, a regular guest, a favorite, recurring guest. One, we don't really do guests. We tend to avoid it. But this, we would you know, move heaven and earth to have this guest. And it is uh, Shane Bacon joining us. Shane, how are you? Guys, I'm great. And before we start, I haven't showed you this yet. Came in the mail yesterday. I just oh, washed it. Oh yeah, the Jumbo yeah. Ozaki mug. <laughs> there mug we go. On a mug. There we go. I pulled it. So I pulled it out of the box that it came in. I showed it to my wife. I went, "How cool is this mug?" And she goes, eh, "I prefer small coffee mugs." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so no. sorry. What, what kind I, of sick person likes small coffee mug? You know what? She's uh, she does the Nespresso. Espresso. Oh, yeah, small okay. little espresso drink, you know, doesn't want a whole bunch of there broth in it. So yeah. um, that's her. But you know what? I thought it was, I just figured that why wouldn't we start, you know, the going into the final round of the first major in over a year talking about the coffee mug. There you I go. I just thought that would be kind of on, on brand for you A guys. mug on a mug. It's you fantastic. Know, the reality is she doesn't use coffee mugs. Because you know, there's nothing worse than when you have a, a coffee mug too small and you get the coffee, the hot coffee overflowing on your hands. But that's not a problem if you drink an espresso. Listen, you can take this up with her. She had a long day. We had, we had, we had a third day. Listen, guy, Brendan, I, I know you understand this. I, I, I'm learning on the fly here as a, as a fairly new dad. And, and our boy here will be learning soon. But uh, – 13 months old, 
not the easiest to watch golf with running yeah. around the house. So. Oh yeah, I can imagine. A lot of chasing today. <laughs> why do you just, why don't you just not pour the coffee so high so it's not running over on your hands? What do you, what is this mystery issue you're having with your mugs flying off over your hands? What is going on? I, I'm just saying if you use a Keurig or something and and it <laughs> fills it and it goes overboard. I've had coffee mug. I bought a small coffee mug once and it was a consistent problem. It was always overflowing. <laughs> All right. This is the, okay. All right. Here we go. We are, uh, how, how did you guys find the action today? First uh, weekend round of major championship golf in more than a year. I, you are like Larry David over there yelling about your mug purchases. Um, what did you guys make of the day? How, how was it? It was a long day. You know, it started, Andy, go ahead. You take the floor. What was uh, overall impressions of the day? It was it was a wonderful day. I mean, it, in it's not it's not exactly how I like my major championships. I typically like to see you know the best players in a field identifying themselves on a golf course that allows the best players in the field to identify themselves. But that being said, bunch leaderboards are really exciting and actually extraordinarily difficult to follow. I felt like I was learning something new all day long every time. I a, a shot was shown. I was like, "Oh my god! I can't believe this guy's in it." It's kind of day that felt right to have DJ on top out of no. Like, wait, what? Oh, he's playing. I thought he was. You know, he was WD in Minnesota. He, we hadn't heard from him. Kind of the first thirty six holes, we knew he was kind of lingering. That that was like apropos of the whole day. Is all of a sudden DJ is your. 54 hole leader. Shane, go ahead. Overall impression. Yeah. You know, poor F, I was uh, I was working on a tweet probably two and a half weeks ago. A <laughs> lot of research that went into this tweet. Now, most of them have no research at all. I misspell names a lot or whatever. But I was looking into how many rounds Dustin Johnson had shot in the 80s in his career uh-huh. because it was he was on his way to shooting a third straight round in the 80s. And now we get this guy leading. I told people... Before the week, I thought Dustin Johnson had no chance, sure. none at all. And I sure. am I am shocked that he's there. And I got to tell you guys, of all the stuff that went down on Saturday, what he did on the back nine after the double bogey at nine, you know, he, yeah. makes, he makes this sloppy six on nine. It's kind of like, well, that's that. I mean, we'd seen a lot of guys push early. I mean, Justin Thomas did it, you know, off to a really hot start. We saw plenty of kind of – we even saw Rory do it. And then they all fell off on the back. It, made, it looked like Dustin was going to be much of the same. And then now he's leading the thing. I, I just did not see that coming. Yeah, you the, think the birdies, ahead, he birdied 14 and 15, too, two of the hardest holes. And I, it was just ridiculous because, I mean, he shot 65 with a double. It's just crazy. Yeah. Did he, what was the putting stats for him? Do you have those, Andy, in front of you? He's, uh, he's for, I mean, the- I assume he. he I think he finished second. He picked up five shots on the greens today. Oh, there you go. He birdied two of the hardest holes. Do you? So do you guys think my internet's going bad again? Do you guys think um, we'll see more of the same on Sunday? Like it'll be similar to this where there's a lot of names. It's a little manic. All of a sudden guys like who you, you forgot were even in the field or in the leaderboard are, are up there. Do you think it's going to be similar to that? Or is there some sort of... Um, you know, feel moving to the field goal goalpost they can create for Sunday. Well, I mean, yeah. I just, you know, I feel like when you're looking at the leaderboard and I mean, I feel like Brooks said this in his post-show interview with Amanda. I mean, it, it isn't 
a major heavy leaderboard. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of names on top of the leaderboard that we like to root for. I mean, obviously, you know, you got Cam Champ, who I think, you know, his game fits his golf course really well, and he's showing it. I think he's uh, leading the the field in strokes gained off the tee. And uh, and then you obviously got Dustin there and Kepka in the mix and Paul Casey, Morikawa, all these players that are great players. You know, I, by the way, I couldn't believe that they said Paul Casey was once number three in the world. I never knew he got that high. But, yeah. you know, I, I feel like there's all these – Guys that fit this golf course, ball strikers, great iron players in Morikawa, but a lot of guys that just have not been in this position before. And we learned a little about that, you know, at Shinnecock last year, as you get Daniel Berger and Tony Finau in that final pairing, great players. But when you get in this position, this scenario that you've never been in, especially with, I think there's 17 or 18 guys within four of the lead, uh, you know, I, I just feel like you're going to have half those guys completely fall apart. And then you've got a ch- Dustin's got a chance to go out there and steal this. I feel like he got a very favorable pairing too in that final grouping. I feel like he's the kind of guy that wants as simple a pairing as possible. Do you think that's fair? I think you're right. I think you're completely right. There's a lot of I, I said it's going to be a lot of ennui, just like thicker than the San Francisco fog. Just a lot of guy, you know, DJ and Scheffler are both kind of just. DGAF strolling, you know, through the park kind of thing. You know, I'm bummed out about. Go ahead, Jane. Go ahead. I want to ask Porat a question real quick. Did you hear by chance towards the end of the telecast the Mark Twain quote? Yeah, oh, I heard it. They butchered it. Not that I've ever gotten it off right (laughs) myself, but they butchered it. I mean, everybody, and I love how everybody tries to come into it like, oh, uh, you know, what's the quote? Oh, what is, like, what are you talking about? You've read it a hundred times in your notes or preparation. Oh, it reminds me of, oh, what is that quote again? The coldest uh, summer I've, winter is the summer. Is, oh, something. They always, uh, it's just been hammered, bludgeoned over the head with it all, all week. So it was, it was, it, it was the George W. Bush moment. Yeah. Like to me in the golf space, I was laughing. Only people that listen to you guys' podcasts are really enjoying it. But I was the, hey, fool me once, fool me twice. I was on the floor. I've got family staying at the house. I have a 13 month old. The dog is going crazy. Oh, no. And I had to rewind it to re listen to the Twain quote for you. The Mark Twain quote. Yeah, that that was a call that worked out last Sunday night. They, they That came to fruition this week. All right, Andy. Do you think we see more of the same on Sunday? This kind of manic leaderboard where guys are there's bunched and guys are coming out of nowhere, guys are dropping off. Uh, you know, I, I would say today I kept hearing about how it was firm and crispy and it's gonna be it's gonna bite out there like we were gonna get some sort of Saturday at Shinnecock type thing or you know Players Championship when Ken Duke went like. And there was like this buildup that there was like a massacre was coming. DJ shot 65 late. Andy, do you think we'll get just a similar kind of uh, pace tomorrow? I, I think so. There, Phil talked about it when he was in the booth and we can, that's a larger discussion maybe for a sure. little bit later, but he talked about how the greens, there's, you never worry about them getting away from you on out here. And I think that's the biggest thing is that there's, there's nowhere you can hit a shot anywhere on the green and not be scared of a putt. Like, I have not seen one scary, like, have you guys seen a scary putt this week? Like, not. Well, I haven't seen one where you're like, oh, my God, how is he going to keep this on the green? Which is, like, something that every golfer typically faces on a weekend round. And this yeah. course, it just doesn't have that get away from you. So it limits how many big numbers you can make. But that being said, D- just look no further than DJ, who started today, he was... uh 
he was four shots back of uh, of Hao Tong Lee. So he made a huge jump. He's in first now, solo first. So we look back. I mean, you got seventeen players that are at uh, at five under or better. So you you look seventeen guys aren't going to play bad. The reality is one of those guys of that seventeen is going to shoot sixty five, sixty six. Assuming that the weather's not crazy tomorrow, and I don't think it's supposed to be. Yep. Yep. Andy, I, I was going to ask you this. Be- I was actually going to text you this before I, I realized I was coming on because I feel like this golf course is confusing to me in terms of the scoring. And I can't figure out if it's the hardest easy course for majors or the easiest hard course. And, and let me just expand on that a bit. I feel like a lot of the time you see these guys out of position and it is just auto bogey. And I mean, we've seen doubles, we've seen triples, you know, we've seen these big numbers from guys that kind of get going. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the scores, you know, I mean, 65 from DJ, 65 from Scheffler, 65 from Morikawa, you know, we had 64s yesterday. All these players are under par. I mean, when you dive deep into this leaderboard, I mean, you've got to go to, what is it, the 42nd player on the leaderboard when you get somebody at even par. I just feel like, I think this golf course is really hard and it plays hard, but the scores would say otherwise. One important thing. I mean, it's a par 72 converted to par 70. So, I mean, you slap a 72, a par 72 on here and we're looking at PGA tour city, you know, like this would be leader would be at, uh, he'd be at DJ would be at 15 under right now. And everybody else would be at 14th. Like it'd be just like another week on the PGA tour. I think the thing about it is, it's hard because it's just you. There's no possible way you could hit every fairway out there. It's a it's 23 yards wide. It's it's just it's manufactured hard versus a and not it's hard. It's not challenging. There's nothing challenging about it. It's not like you're ever standing over a shot and saying, "God, this is the hardest shot I've ever seen in my life." Like you do at Shinnecock ten times in a round where you're like, oh, my God, you know, like hitting into the 10th green at Shinnecock or the 11th green or, you know, the 9th green. You're like, oh, God, this is if I don't hit a perfect shot here, I'm completely screwed. Out here, it's, it, it's pretty relatively benign around the greens. And I think that's why you see it so bunched up is that like really great play isn't isn't being rewarded as much as because you know, you're going to make a mistake or two and then you're going to make a bogey or two. And the other aspect of it, I think, is is just around the greens, there's just no bite, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do, you know, you guys are talking about going down 17 players, this, that, and the other are within five. Uh, how far down? Is that how far you're going? Can somebody, I mean, you got some big guys out just outside that and Cantlay, Hideki, players like that, Webb, Rom. Uh, Patrick Reed, like it's there's a lot of guys at three and and four. Um, would you or how how low are you going? I just I don't. I say somebody shoots sixty three. The one other thing about it is you got DJ on top now instead of Hao Tong Lee. Yeah. I think that's a difference in in going from four back or five back up to the top. Is you you know we kind of joked last night that you know and. Shane, I think you you know you would agree that you didn't expect How Tong Lee to shoot under par today. Um, you probably expect DJ to shoot under par today tomorrow, like at least one under, two under. 
Um, so that may, moves that number more. And I think I don't think there's much lower than 64 out there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would go. I don't think I'd go to five, honestly. I don't think to, I'd go to those guys at five. Huh. I mean, when you look at the names there, Xander, the scariest of that group, you know, obviously a guy that can go out there and fire something mm-hmm. crazy, but – you know, you just you can't you can't say that that blasphemy about Siwoo. No, I mean, and Joel. I mean, to to be quite honest with you, the scariest of the guys that can go low on that list at five might be Joel. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, right. he's a guy that is just you know he's known from these tour players as one of those guys that can go on a heater and just do something stupid on the golf course. But you know, when you look at the guys at six, you look at the guys at seven, and then as you said, you look at the leader in Dustin Johnson. I mean, kind of. I don't want to discount the guys at eight and, and, and Scott A and Cameron, but you know, it's, I mean, those are young, 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 young guys that have never really been here before. I just feel like it's going to be hard for a Kepka, a DJ, a Bryson, a Finau, a Justin Rose, a Jason Day. God, these are heavy hitters. And Tommy right. Fleetwood at six. I don't see how one of those names isn't going to go out and shoot four, you know, and if they yeah. shoot four, they're at 10 and, and Dandy's point, how somebody's got to shoot 65 to tie him. It's just, uh, there's just too many names, I feel like, between gotcha. five and eight. I think I agree with that. Okay. Um, other, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do lightning round on, like, winners at the end here. But um, what'd you make of the day? Let's, let's talk about Phil. You want to do that? Other yeah. storylines from the day? He kind of, like, took the entire championship by the horns in the middle of the Saturday. Like, really did. It did. Like, what was happening on the course was just sort of in the background, ancillary to what was the... You know, him on the mic. Um, what'd you make of it? Other than like uh, rave reviews, it seems like he was excellent. He sort of um, put Nick Faldo in an awkward spot of, you know, I could use a really crude analogy, but I won't. It just put, you know, Faldo was just kind of a bystander almost. But um, what'd you, what do we make of it? Other than he was great. How, how was he great? Why was he great? I, I, you know, Shane is a broadcast professional here, so yes, my takes yes. might not be as good as Shane's. But I actually, understand. I think what I talk about all the time. My biggest complaint with Dick Faldo is I would never know that he was one of the greatest golfers of all time by listening to a telecast. And 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 then Phil hops on there and he's talking about where Finau is playing a pitch shot from a upslope in the forward part of his stance. And he was like, well, and he was like, it jumped out and you could tell that he was watching and he was like, well, that's weird. They played it up there and it, you know, he hit a great chip, but he, then he goes into this. Oh, it was weird watching him play that uh, on the front of his foot on an up, upslope. And you're like, oh, I'm listening to one of the greatest players of all time talk about golf and what he's seeing. And that's all we want out of an analyst is that we want them to give us insight that we don't understand. And Phil did that in spades today. Yeah, first thing first, I was floored, shocked when they went to the on-cam in the booth and he had the coffee mug below <laughs> the table, oh, I yeah. couldn't believe that he didn't have it set right on top with the sticker the and label. everything. I mean, yeah. kind of been his move. But, you know, listen, there is no substitute for having someone articulate in the booth that has also just got off a golf course. I mean, you know, Nick Faldo yeah. can go roll putts. He can throw balls down in the sure. rough. He can do Good everything point. he wants to do. Phil Mickelson played, you know, three rounds of golf on this golf course. And he literally walked off in his golf clothes, goes to the booth and can talk about it. And he knows, you know, what's happening around the whole locations, where not to miss. I mean, Faldo is going to know a lot of that stuff. But, you know, Phil's playing. He's there. He's between the ropes, which 
just a side tangent, can just somebody explain this to me? Imagine real quick, if you were, you know, you had a job and part of your job was setting up sporting events and you didn't know anything about golf. And they said to you, hey, your job this week is to go set up all these ropes, you know, with these. And I mean, you know, you're yeah. pounded, just pounding stakes <laughs> every five feet, pounding a stake, pounding a stake, rope through the hole, pound a stake. And you spend days doing this <laughs> and you go, it's Saturday and you go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to turn this thing on. I work so hard on this, on these ropes. I don't, I want to kind of turn it on and see my work and you turn it on and there's no fans. <laughs> You'd be going, what the hell was I doing all this? Time? What is that for? I'm so confused by the ropes. I do not well, understand I, it. What is it all. for? Is it a guideline for the cables or something? They said it like, must be. It must don't be. Come and play, but, but can't. Does it spray paint work as well as ropes? Like, why do they have to be ropes? <laughs> it is an you odd know, thing. And then, and I, then I, wor- I, wor- I worked. It. The walking store or scores are inside the ropes. It's not like other people. Like, who's outside the ropes? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I, I worked with I worked with David Fay for a number of years at Fox, and David Fay says that he's the reason that a lot of the amateur events, they stopped staking the ropes because it was his job at one point to do that. And he said he he went to Boatwright at one point and went, you know what? I think we don't need the ropes. You know, I think it's better if we have the fans walk in. And it was one of those moments where if you present an idea that sounds really intelligent and you're really just doing it so you don't have to do all the work anymore, (laughs) then you get to kind of kill two birds with one stone. And so David Fay is the reason that you don't see roasts at these USGA events when they allow the fans to walk in like the women's amateur and such. So maybe we need to get David Fay on the phone with the PGA of America to take these robes down. And a tour. Although the tour, like they probably are adamant about putting it up because it's a branding thing for them, I'm sure. But um, that's one of my favorite things about going to the the women's AM, go to sectional qualifying. If you have a sectional, you know, not this year, but like some of those where you could just waddle out there into the middle of the fairway and kind of follow up or, or not really, you know, don't be an idiot and somehow end up in the middle of play or disrupting play, which, you know, can happen, but that's, I love it. It's just yeah, kind of free happened, flow and come and go. In my, last, uh, let's get, my last qualifying last year for the U S open for F was uh, I had, you know, I did it in Texas. My family's yeah, in Texas. Right, we're on right. about, I think we're on the 11th hole, the first round. And I make like a 30 foot bomb for birdie after just the worst bogey in golf history at 10. <laughs> and I look back and I've got my mom, my uncle, my dad, friends, just in the middle of the fairway. That's watching. awesome. I'm like, That's awesome. guys, this, these guys are hitting me. Right <laughs> oh, no. You just saw where we were. You just saw where our group played from. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's mosey out of the way here. <laughs> That's fantastic. There, there's nothing worse than being in the group behind at that point, too. And you've you've already had to wait to hit your, your shot. And then you got to wait for all the, 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 <laughs> like the family members of the group to get out of the way. You're just like, come on. Or if somebody, like, you're up hitting like a third shot out of par five and and then the family members are still in the driving zone watching and you're like what what are you doing get out of the way yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh getting back to phil getting back to phil um so what would you see what's what are you least likely to see on saturday afternoon at the masters phil and contention geese, geese in the fairway Michael Collins, no comment. No, God bless Michael Collins. Michael Collins at one point today was walking in the middle of the freaking fairway, talking to Phil about his coffee in the middle of a major championship round. 
So geese in the fairway, Michael Collins, VSPN, in the middle of the fairway talking about coffee, or or a competitor going up into the booth with Nance and Faldo at 18 Tower at Augusta, just calling Masters action with the tee time on Sunday morning. It's Sunday. What is the least likely to see? I think it, I mean, I think it's probably geese. I, geese. Actually, Michael Michael Col- <laughs> Michael Collins in the fa- a, a media member in the middle of a fairway t- during competition would be right there too. Saturday of the Masters. <laughs> wow, what was going on with that? What what's happening? Like I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's just it was a little jarring. If that's the PGA wants to be its identity, like let's just freewheel it. You know, you can play and then go up in the booth, and you, I, I don't know, it's great. I, I think that I think that was a huge score. I think the the Masters yes. would love to have you know Tiger Woods or Phil come into the booth and talk after a play. You know, yeah. Yep. Uh, Maybe they should do that more often. Maybe they should have DJ up there next time. Well, one one other point though is like, God, you gotta you gotta be good at the work too. Like there are a lot of greatest of all time. One of the greatest of all time, like Emmett Smith. You know, maybe I think he's all time rushing leader. Didn't that's a, work that's out. a career accomplishment thing. That, okay, fine. He was a nobody, great. Nobody that's ever watched football thinks that Emmitt Smith's the greatest running whatever. back of all time. He's a Phil Mickelson level player, running back. He's a, one of the greats. Didn't really work in the booth, right? You know, Brandel Chambly is pretty good at his job. He won once. He gets a lot of shit for it, but he won once. But that doesn't mean he's bad. So, like, you can't just. So, Andy, Andy uses that line. Like, I felt like I was listening to one of the best of all time, which is true. But, like, you also got to be like, you have to have the natural talent for that, too. It just doesn't, you aren't like, but de facto good at it. Well, and, and I think, you know, I mean, we've known this for decades and decades and decades is Phil Mickelson is, is one of the best trash talkers ever. And he go, he gets into Faldo's kitchen in like six seconds of being in the booth, you know, talking about how short Nick Faldo hits it. Yeah. What was so amazing about the setup of that joke or that dig? Yeah. Was, you know, Phil's, I mean, listen, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that Phil's not a really, really intelligent guy, but Phil was, this joke setup seemed like it was going down a path of compliments for Nick Faldo, right? You, and you yeah. were this big strapping, strong guy. And then at the end, he hits him with, yeah. you know, and you hit it nowhere. I mean, it was just, <laughs> and then of course, and what, and to Andy's point about Faldo, <laughs> and I get what you say sometimes where it feels like Faldo downplays his own accomplishments, right? Yes. That was one of the few moments where you felt like Faldo laid the majors on the table. Yes. Hey, man, when you get seven, you can talk about my distance. And to me, that brought something out of Nick that I wish we'd see a little bit more of yeah. is a little bit of that fa- fire. Like, nobody wants the guy in the booth telling everybody what they did all the time. Man, I remember when I was, you know, when I was in contention, and I remember when I did this. Like, when it's me, 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 I think a lot of people tune, on, tune out. But it should be you sometimes because that's why you're – paid for that position sure. and i did feel like we got a little faldo flexing you know puffing the chest a little bit more than maybe we do and i think bill did that on yep. purpose to bring yep. that out i'd say like our spotlight brought that out you know when we did the spotlight research i knew like so much of our relationship with faldo has just been in this last like tv decade and of course like there we have you know some misgivings about his tv work but 
that's neither here I, nor there, but it's like you need to be reminded of this guy being maybe like a top 10 all time, top 12 right. all time player. You know, he did. And there's a certain respect there that that, you know, gets eroded sometimes because of the TV work. So. I, I was I, I picked up something on Faldo's game that I didn't really know about from Phil, where Phil was talking about. I thought that was one of the best is like how you to win majors. You have to have a great week lag putting to make everything easy. And it's so and he goes and Nick, that's why one of the reasons you probably won so many was you were one of the best lag putters I've ever seen. And I didn't ever think about that as being such an important thing to winning major championship golf as it, and I, then when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, lag putting is extraordinarily important. It's something we never ever talk about because it's not a sexy thing, but like, it's like tiger winning the masters. We both talked about it after the masters, uh, that lag putt he hit on nine at Sunday is like, that is one of the greatest shots of that round. And, and I think that's, that's the thing that, Mickelson, I thought, brought more so than anything was just so many insights into into the way to play major championship golf. I once watched Phil Lag practice lag putt for like two more than two hours during a practice round. So like at Oakmont, actually, 2016, playing the back nine, he'd go to a green. He had like eight or nine groups play through with them. Like each hole, he'd stop on the green and lag putt for like 30 to 40 minutes of lag putting on each green, then go play the next hole. So yeah, that was his, I mean, I, I, I watched it the whole way. Obviously that was kind of some of the origins of his comments today. So I, I, I did, I did want to say we, we praise Phil a lot and I do want to ask you guys your thoughts on Phil possibly. I mean, this possibly being a move. I, I don't think there's any, I mean, everything Phil does seems to be for a purpose, right? I mean, yeah. you know, when he, when he, yes. he, wears, he wears the shoes, he yeah. joins the shoes, you know, he does the coffee thing. He's got the coffee company. I mean, everything's for shirt. a reason. Mizzen and Maine. Now, listen, I got this new button up. I love it. Then all of a sudden he's an ambassador. So, I mean, this to me seems like another step in that direction. So as good as he was, I do want to say one thing he did that, you know, I've had, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of people that just started on TV. I mean, I just started on TV, you know, not too long ago. One thing I did, I have noticed with analysts. So that would be, you know, ex players yeah. is when they get into the, the situation, the first couple of times, they love doing the predicting. Yeah. They love predicting. Oh, I love, I think he's going to, and Phil started getting, it was like right in the middle of, of his appearance on, on the broadcast. Yeah. It's like, hey, he's going to birdie six and seven. You're like, wait, you're calling two birdies? Like, <laughs> call him to hit it close, you know, call him to maybe hit the fairway, but he's going, oh, I think he'll birdie six and seven. And you're going, well, I mean, that seems like a little bit of a stretch, man. Just take it down a hair. Uh, I, I was cracking up at that, but. Uh, you know, I mean, all, all in all, listen, Phil would have a job on TV tomorrow if he wanted sure. it, right? Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. Might put another couple hundred people in the golf media business out of work to pay his salary. But yeah, I think he would. He would. Um, I bet he would it, command a uh, Tony Romo-esque dollar, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. It does seem... I, I never considered the possibility. It seems like he would be ride off into the sunset happy and do, you know, on his own schedule, pop in here and there. But now I'm thinking, you know, everybody's thinking this. And can he find some? also been very outspoken that he's not playing the champions tour. Right. Right. You know, one th- I, I was with you, poor at this entire time about Phil getting into the booth, because I think we all were in agreement that he'd be unbelievable in that position. I mean, he wouldn't hold back. He'd have fun. He could tell stories. He's played every event. 
He's played since the early 90s on tour. I mean, this guy yeah. has seen it all. He's still really sharp. He's really smart. He's funny. He's got all the intangibles, right? Mm-hmm. I always was with, I was with you on your side that I didn't think the money could ever get high enough that, that would make him care because he'll be able right. to play golf professionally and make a lot of money until he's 60, 65. But what flipped me a little bit was him joining social media and being such a social media presence. It, it made me see Phil as the guy that still wants that attention, if, even if it's not coming from his player on the golf course. Yeah. You know, him doing the fireside chats and always involved in social media. That's one of the reasons these guys do TV. You know, it's because they don't want to become irrelevant. And so maybe that's part of it for Phil. And maybe that's the move. But I would say A plus move for everybody involved at CBS doing that. I mean, I would say universally, I don't think you're going to listen to a podcast you know, tonight, tomorrow, or otherwise, and, and you're going to hear anybody say that was a bad move for God's yeah. sake. It was unbelievable. Kind of came out of left field, though, right? Did anyone know that was like really happening or come, uh, coming down? It just all of a sudden he was up there, right? You could, you could get down some deep, deep conspiracy holes if you really wanted to put your tinfoil hat on. What are you talking? I don't even know what you're alluding to. I don't know where you're even what what you're going there. They're deep. I'm not going to get into them. (laughs) I did love how he was talking about the mowing patterns. He goes, well, you see this. He's in the grain. He's against the grain. He's going to play a low runner. Lee, how it's immediately does. Like, it was just that kind of stuff. That's one of many examples of he's called it something you would not typically hear from Faldo. So, hey, all right. uh, We got pairings. I'm going to run down them. And let's just do some rapid, rapid. Are you just going to read the tea sheet? Is that no, pod- we, we great react- radio? Let's just well, read no, the tea sheet. Let's react, uh, react about, about <laughs> these guys. Can we do the pin sheet next? Yeah. <laughs> the pin sheet next. All right. Four off the left on Six off the- <laughs> All right. You know what? It's an easy way to quickly hit them all. Okay. Sure. Sure. All right. Sure. How Tongli and Hideki are, are the, the, the first pairing of our, uh, our, our line of who has a chance. Okay. What'd you, how tongue? Nobody got. Nobody was surprised by that, right? No, he's all. He's yeah. He he does. Uh, the <laughs> second round, he he was still driving it like crap, right? And he just kind of ham and egged it to whatever he shot, sixty four, sixty five, something crazy. But yeah, no, no one's surprised. You predicted seventy three. I predicted seventy one. Yeah. I'd say the least surprising thing was of every relevant player today that how Tung Lee was the one that had his ball get lost in a tree. Why? Because he he went down to Royal Melbourne without his caddy. You know, he, he refused to listen to. What does like, that have to do? It just with seems it? like something that happens to a discombobulated character. You know. Okay. Wow. Is, wait a minute. Is this the going down the rabbit hole that, that the golf gods like hold a grudge for? Yeah. Nine yeah. Months? Yeah, I think so. What are you? Talking? That's what I'm saying. Okay. It just seems like that's the guy that it would happen to. Hey, do, do you guys care if I share a tweet I got from a pro last night about the Hao Tong Lee practicing thing? Sure. Because yeah. I, I thought it was it. I thought it was relevant. Scott yeah. Harrington responded and said, a handful of years ago, he was playing the Corn Ferry event. He missed the cut. He said, I got to the course two hours. Oh, sorry. He said, Hao Tong missed the cut. I got to the course two hours before my time, my tee time. Hao Tong was putting. He said, when I teed off, he was still on the putting green. When I made the turn, he was still putting. When I finished, he was putting. So he said Holy stuff God. like that is is part of his routine. He wasn't surprised when he saw that. Obviously, we were all surprised because we're not used to you know a guy spinning all day. I saw that Ricky Fowler was at the golf course today practicing. Cross-handed. I feel bad for Ricky. He was hitting feel- cro- balls cross-handed. 
I feel bad for Ricky. Everybody immediately started piling on, getting their one-liners off. It's just, I mean, these. To me, that's the thing. I mean, we can we can have fun at somebody's expense all the time, but I don't understand how you could have anything but respect for somebody going and doing that. You missed the cut. You're going to the golf course. You know the exposure is going to happen. You know you're going to have to see all the guys you're pals with going off to try to win a major. Good point. And you're out there grinding. I mean, to me, it's like that's I, I give mad respect for something like that. I mean, I know it's easy to like you said, throw out your best Twitter joke, but. You know, I mean, I, I would at least have gone to Cal Club, you know, and rolled a couple. Yeah, yeah right, especially right. A, especially after missing the cut in the manner he did by uh, whiffing. The, the, the stub. Yeah. All right, uh, what all other right. tea times, Jay? All right, that, well, I'm just going to run Matt, Matthew Wolf-Zander. That's a good pairing. Five sure. under. That could be – one of those guys could do it. So, Cal, okay. Right? They we could, got, Yes. Yes. Jolie D, I saw Matthew Wolf second in strokes gained T to green. He's just putted bad this week. So that's one if he gets hot. Um, Jolie D and C Wu, I don't think we need to spend that much time. It's too bad Jolie D made a triple on uh, his last hole yesterday. That's, yep. You can't make triples at majors. That's kind of a thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, Daniel Berger, Fleetwood, six under. Both could win. Right, both could easily win. Both could shoot a mid sixties number. Now get to eleven, some like eleven under. The thing I think is, it's always hard to play two great rounds in a row, right? And both those guys played really good rounds yesterday, and today they were a little flat. But that probably means they got a good. One of them at least has a really good round in them tomorrow. Yeah, okay. yeah I was going to make the same exact point, which is scary that I'm making points that you're making at this point, especially <laughs> after the whole internet thing you said earlier, but. Um, I, I was going to say Fleetwood Burger, and I'm assuming the names that are about to come out of your mouth are Jason Day and Justin Rose. Yes. All four of those guys shot even today. They shot 70. And I'm totally with you. I feel like if I was going to circle a name out of that group to go out there and shoot something low, 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 I'm going to look at those four because I, I'm with you. I feel like you're playing well. You're, you're in the top 10 at a major after three rounds. You didn't have your best stuff on Saturday. I feel like of the kind of pretenders or whatever you want to call it, you know, one of those guys has got the best chance of shooting five or six tomorrow, I feel like. Yep. Yep. So that, yeah, that's a real solid quadrant right there. Those two tee times. What else you got, Andy? Who, we, got, who, who, we, got, who else? we got Bryson, thick boy oh, Bryson, and uh, Finau at six. How about that? I mean, Bryson's got to have a lot of sort of animosity at Fino as everyone keeps throwing him out there as oh by far the longest player on tour someone sent us a transcript today again of Rory last night Rory getting asked about it just Bryson nowhere to be found not even in the conversation you know Rory's talking about oh it's Tony and Cameron uh, don't call me Cam champ uh, as like they're the ones they've got stuff in the tank Bryson not even in thought not even mentioned uh, I think Bryson's pissed off about all this phenol. Everybody giving the, you know, phenol doesn't have to pump himself full of protein shakes all day. And he's still hitting it farther. And everybody's giving him the respect. We also got a little tip that uh, someone saw uh, the thick boy late night, just drenched in sweat last night. Uh, someone <laughs> on the grounds uh, or inside the bubble player. Cat. I don't know who it was, but we got the tip. Keep them anonymous. That's consistent with Max's tip at the beginning of the week. That's right. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. after midpoint of a major championship. Who knows what workout it is? They saw Bryson just dripping with sweat. You, you know, we were all excited about 
Brooks Bryson before the week. Andy and I were both really excited to the point where we sent out incorrect tweets about Brooks and Bryson happening <laughs> on Sunday. You know the whole saying, I should, this would be a great time for me to just throw out and incorrectly say the Mark Twain quote. Um, you know the whole saying about how like it's, it's your pro's favorite pro? Yeah. I feel like Finau DeChambeau is your pro's pairing they wanted to see. Because you're going to get a chance to see these two dudes, that, to y'all's point, that over the last six weeks, I feel like that's been the conversation. Finau's following in the Bryson footsteps of, why don't I just try to you know, smoke it as much as I can? I hit it as far as anybody, and I'll use that to my advantage. To me, that's going to be something like if, if I was broadcasting this event, I would make it a point to have somebody on that tomorrow. You know, like, let's, totally. let's keep track of who outdrove who on which hole. Let's have a running tally of this because, again, distance has been a massive storyline in this return, and these are the two guys that everybody says hits it as far as anybody. So right. The, right. Uh, one of my favorite things is the juxtaposition between the two and their pre-shot routine with a driver. <laughs> like how Bryson is like getting – I mean, like it looks like he's getting ready to like yeah. – he, he does. He looks like the big bad wolf. He looks like he's getting ready to blow a house over. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tony Finau's like as like he's like he looks like a a a shooting guard getting like a smooth he reminds me of like Ray Allen going up for a jumper. It's like nothing but smooth. Like he just like kinda like glides into his pre shot routine, gets up to the ball, and then just you know, it doesn't even look like he's hitting it that hard because he doesn't take his the club back past three quarters and it just goes a mile. It's like yeah. they couldn't the amount of effort exerted by each of them is just, it's just so different. So they will be off at what is that? One twenty, so four twenty Eastern. Uh which, you know, I guess doesn't apply to either of you. That that should be showing from soup to nuts, start to finish. Right, right. For sure. Poor Ev, I wanted to ask you this. We you know, the Finau thing has been a big conversation point for everybody about, you know, when he's yeah. gonna win. I mean, yeah. Andy doesn't even consider him a PJ Tour winner at this point. Um, <laughs> don't you feel like when you look at the board, isn't this an unbelievable spot for Tony Finau? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's perfect. Three back, go out there, playing well, you know, shoot 65, you know, maybe not a lot of talk on the front nine. I, I just feel like as I look at the board – he might be my second pick in terms of who I think could win this thing, you know? Totally. And he's not the focus of his own pairing. Exactly. Either, right? Thick boy. Everybody's going to be talking about the thick boy grunting away, playing over in the anthills, you know, doing <laughs> stuff like that. His uh, driver breaking into four pieces. There'll, there'll be some little sideshow uh, circus act. And, you know, Bryce is a much more talked about player. So, yeah, it is a great spot. He's the little he's, he's within striking distance, but not in like the final pairing. Hey, Andy, did you hear after the 95 Michael Phelps foot putty made? Did you hear his post? interview about the whatever the quote was about the nice guy thing or whatever did you hear what he said oh you like trying to make the world a better place or something like that that? i don't when you say when you have to keep reiterating that you're a nice guy it probably means that you're not a nice guy but he doesn't even articulate it in the right way. It's just this mumbo jumbo, which is probably what his science talk is. But all of us are too stupid to know what kind of science. You know, we can't fact check it in real. We're not physicists. And it's just like, 
Dude, man, that's just a word salad. That didn't even make any sense what you just said. It's all I'm passionate. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be a bank of world. What? Like, that's not even, even if it's true or false, it didn't even make any linear sense there. So, uh, you know, you know what? No, listen, there's about one golfer on the planet right now that can really make the world. I would say a better place. Now there's plenty of people that can improve the world, yeah. but outside of tiger, you know, yeah. moving rocks and moving the earth, there's not really a lot of golfers good point. that are going to change society. <laughs> you just point. made a You made a bomb on the yeah, last hole. You got a chance to win a major. You got a chance to finish in the top 10 and kind of get, every, get everybody off your back. You yeah. had a great day. And it's like, it's almost like, you know, you're a politician and you're handed a talking point. And he has to get it in no matter the question. You know? Right. Yes. Yes. But he doesn't even do a good job of articulating it. It's the most unconvincing sort of flashing lights. This is a bad like way to answer this. You know, it's a just it doesn't come off well. So uh, can I right. read the quote to you just because sure. I just looked it up. Sure. This, this no, is yeah. from Kyle Porter's uh, tweet. He said, Bryson said, quote, I hope people can recognize me for what I'm trying to do for the sport. <laughs> What the hell does that mean? Not not necessarily some of the little things that happen every once in a while because of my passion. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's every week. It's not once in a while. It's not little and it's not, you know, what are you trying to do for the sport? You're trying to make your own resume and bank account. That's it. I I don't know. You know what? I, I think about his quarantine videos still like eight times a day. I think about him shirtless, skimming the pool so often. It's not probably my mind is not in a good spot. But anyways, I don't know why I still think about that. The flipping the bacon, the driving in the car, just staring forlornly into the trees, all sorts of stuff that I just these images just pop into my head. It's not a good situation. Um, What else you got on the T-sheet, Andy? All right. You know, you guys made fun of this exercise. It's turned out to be quite fruitful and effective. You know, (laughs) or we could have just talked about Bryson. Just just pointing out we aren't going to miss anybody this way. (laughs) Um, Paul Casey and uh, Brooks Kepka. Not quite the uh, same. Do we need to talk about Paul Casey? No. No. Do we? No. I mean, no. he's been around in a lot of majors for a long time, and he's never really gotten it done on Sunday, and I don't foresee that being any different to- tomorrow. Brooksy. S- similar type of phenol situation for Casey, though, coming from behind, but I think playing with Brooksy is not a great, uh, not ideal pairing for him. Okay, Brooksy, what about him? Is he going to win? He won birdie. What do you finish three straight birdies to get back in it? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know how you feel about tournament golf, Shane, but I always feel like there is like a six to eight hole stretch of golf that you kind of have to weather where you don't have your a stuff and it's how you come out of it and if you don't make anything that's catastrophic in that stretch that you know really defined in in brooksy he made those three bogeys but then back it up with three birdies is pretty or two birdies yeah but two out of those two two two, two of his last last three three. but i mean it, it yeah i mean it was you know, we don't have a, I, I don't have a lot of guys in my life, especially in this sport, where you see something happen like the three straight bogeys and you go, he'll be fine, you know, in a major championship on Saturday. And I felt like that about Kepka. I'm like, he didn't look that upset. He didn't look that frustrated. He birdied 16. He made, knocks it on 18. It's a great shot on 18. 
and makes birdie there. I mean, you know, you didn't feel that way about how tongue (laughs) when it stayed in the tree, (laughs) I was a little worried about his male fortitude going forward, which to his credit, he actually did okay. at. You know, I mean, he didn't completely, you know, lose the farm there, but uh, I, it's just, I just feel like Kepka's. if you gave Kepka, Hey man, I'll, I'll let, I'll put you within three shots of the lead going into Sunday at the, at every major he'd go. Okay. I'll take it. That's fine. I'll take my chances. You know, that, that seems like the kind of guy he is and he's within two and, uh, and he made, dude, the guy just, he just wants to troll everybody. I mean, did yes. you hear the comments after about the major wins? Dustin, I guess Dustin has one and you're like, well, yeah, he does have one. He acted like he hadn't even heard of the rest of the guys. He'd never yes. heard of just, you know, he'd never heard of uh, Cam Champ, Colin Markala. It's like, I don't know about the rest of them. Never heard Justin of Justin Rose. Like he's on the minor league guy. golf tour or something. He just waddled over from Jupe to play some minor league tour. And he's like, well, I, you know, I guess DJ, I know he won a major, but I don't know about the rest of these guys. Uh, what He doesn't seem... Is there an antip- antipathy there for DJ? With the, given the Eamon interview where he said, you know, oh, that's just our friends. You know, we weren't friends. We just worked out at the same place. I don't know. We don't need to get I, into that. Again, I saw KBV, a- KBV tweeted something about like how DJ winning this week, the week where Brooks was liking Instagram posts that were openly <laughs> yeah. mocking DJ. I, d- I didn't know that. I might have chummed the waters on that. I might have chummed the waters on that. I sent KBV that and a couple other uh, yeah somebody sent that to us i think andy it was something like um i forget it's, it's i forget not, it was it was this. crude it's not, with, suitable. It's not yeah. suitable for, for, for work it's you don't want to repeat the post in, in front of kids uh yeah yeah brooks liked the post it was some meme account, one of those popular meme accounts with a crude post about DJ and Paulina making fun of DJ's manlyhood or something, and Brooks liked it. That's that's all. I don't even have the specifics of it, but yeah. All right. So, but it, that was just a swerve. It was just an unnecessary shot at DJ, like out of nowhere. But whatever. Go ahead. Well, when you're when you're driving by and you got the you got the machine gun shooting, why stop? <laughs> oh my god! All right. So that's what, what he else? did. He just drive by on the whole leaderboard. <laughs> uh, okay, last right. two. Camp Champ Morikawa. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, if you had, if we were at this event, I would follow these two. Okay. Why? I mean, I, I would love to. I feel like when Champ is grooving it with the driver, he's got to be the most fun person to watch hit it. And, you know, I mean, Morikawa is the best iron player in the world. So it's just like you just get to see unbelievable golf shots after unbelievable golf shots. You know, Morikawa makes two bogeys on the back. And, you know, we heard, hadn't heard a whole bunch of them in his final round. And he just birdies 15, 16, and 17. And it's just, you know, I was thinking about this. Like, Andy, you know when you hit kind of like a – you hit like middle of the fairway, you have like 135, and you hit kind of a scoopy wedge, and it – it's like 40 feet. Yeah. Like Colin Morikow has never hit that shot. Like he never. would not understand what I just said. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he doesn't understand what I'm talking about. And I just feel like it'd be fun to watch someone that does that all that doesn't know what that means. I, you know what the, I think one of the worst feelings of golf is, is when, a, when you're hitting a wedge and you feel the ball riding up the face of the wedge and it like just shoots off way high. 
<laughs> and right of where you want it. I hit one of those the other day, and it ended up being like 15 feet away. But I was playing with these other guys, and I was like, God, that was just disgusting. <laughs> and and it's like they looked at me because it, it wasn't that bad of a shot, but there's the feeling of that wedge when it's just riding up the face. Yeah, Morikawa has never felt that. I don't think he ever has. No. He's unbelievable. He, I, I was really, really impressed with Cameron Champ today. Like, okay, I have not a little bit more. seen that. You even call him by game. his full name. Yeah, I the the fluidity, the just his whole disposition on the golf course, and he his rhythm was so good out there. The way his iron swing, and he, you know, the other thing is he was. He is not. He's not historically been a great chipper of the golf ball. He hit some beautiful chip shots today. Okay, good. But I good. wouldn't be surprised wouldn't be if Morikawa won tomorrow. Yeah, he might be no, the guy that nobody's all. talking about. He's in the penultimate group. Penultimate. Just, he kind of snuck in there. It's two back. I uh, all right. Last group: DJ Scheffler. Um, who shoots a higher round between the two of them? I think you could make a lot of money if you pick DJ. I'm not convinced yet on DJ. I'm not. I now Scheffler. I don't expect to go light the world on fire again. But uh, I just, I, I just see DJ stalling out. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just based on the scar tissue. Maybe that's based on the recent form. I, I don't when's know. when's the last time? And, and we're going to probably have to go back. And I'm not sure if anybody really knows the answer to this, but. When's the last time Dustin was in this spot? Like, when's the last time Dustin had a 54-hole lead at a major? Good point. I, I mean, I, I, I legitimately can't think of one. He didn't have it at, at, at Oakmont, obviously. That was Shane Lowry. Um, you know, he finished second tw- in two majors last year, but, you know, wasn't leading either of those. He was obviously trailing Brooks by a whole bunch going into Bethpage. You know, he finished T-second at the Masters, but I, I don't think that was anything more than just playing well on Sunday. I mean – we talk about and we look at this leaderboard of all these guys that have never been here before. I'm just wondering, what's the last 54 hole lead for Dustin Johnson in a major championship? Because he didn't I mean, have, I'd it have to go Oakmont. back. Yeah, he that's just, what I'm yeah. saying. Are we going back to like the St. George's Pebble Beach era, like the last the early last decade kind of thing? Is there not been one? Yeah, yeah. It's kind point. of a crazy point. What about Chambers? Did he have it there? Chambers Bay, maybe. Because he's in the last group there, right? Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, it, I just, I, he hasn't, like, been consistent. He hasn't been, like, DJ consistent this year, though, which gives me pause. It's not like, a oh, he's a choker take less than, like, you know, he hasn't been his best DJ recently, which concerns me. So, um, all right. Anything else on DJ? Anything else on the last group? Uh, I mean... This would be kind of DJ fashion, you know, where this is the type of golf course where it's like perfect for him. He doesn't have to think at all. It's it's just like right out there in front of you. It's like the ultimate right out there in front of you. It's not hard to read putts. The greens are really, you know, small breaks. But they're still out there aim pointing. AJ's, you know, stepping over the line, aim pointing the shit out of these three foot fly, you know, no break putts. I just. Unbe- I just hope we get an over club like we did last year to remember. Oh, the part three right before you cross the road. What yeah, is that? 15, 14, 15? 15. 
I mean, he hit like a seven iron. The pin was like 180 or something, 165. It was some preposterous club from the very beginning. And it went, you know, 25 yards over the green. So that would be great. All right, let's do a quick speed round, then we're done. This went about 25 minutes longer than we thought, of course. Uh, Who would be the most meh winner? We're going to be nice. We don't want to rain on somebody's parade. But if they were to win tomorrow, wouldn't be like, don't want to say worst, don't want to say... Who would just be kind of like, eh, they won? Andy. I, I don't have to write uh, t- 2,500 words about winners, so I never worry about this. I always actually often root for the people that nobody want to win. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Siwoo Kim wins. Oh, my God. He becomes, <laughs> he, he's under under the, still under the age of 25, and he's got a players and a major and, and another win on the PGA Tour. Let's talk he's about that. Famer. He's know, a Hall of Famer. Right? He's on the borderline of the Hall of Fame. He was the youngest ever answer in school. I, 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 the answer, I think, is probably I like Paul, Paul Casey. I, I really enjoy Paul watching Casey. Paul Casey play golf, but I think it's Paul Casey. Yeah. My okay. answer as well. Okay. Uh, who do you want to win? From a whatever standpoint, personal storylines, favorite guy, you, you know, you like the cut of his jib, whatever it is. Who do you want to win? So uh, remember we were doing that DraftKings thing and Polly convinced me to swap DJ for Burger? Yeah. Well, I did it, but I forgot to hit save. So I still have <laughs> DJ in my lineup. There you go. So I'm going to say DJ. Uh Bacon, do you care? Do you have a? Is it, you... you know, I honestly, I was, I was looking at the leaderboard as, uh, as Andy was doing that, and I almost was going to say Morikawa, but I, I think I want to see DJ win it again. I, yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, I don't think I, I like Dustin Johnson. You know, I like Dustin Johnson as a historical figure of the generation that I grew up watching. You know, I'm the same age as Dustin Johnson. I mean, he's got 20, 20 plus wins on the PGA tour. And of course he's always going to be haunted as this guy that only has one major title. If he gets a second major title, I don't think he ever has to answer another question again about this stuff. You know, I think when you get to two and beyond, it is what it is. It's whatever. And you can go run away. Also, Somebody tweeted, did not look this up as because I know I was going to be on y'all's podcast and that's kind of a mantra of shotgun start is I didn't like dive into the details here. But somebody said it's 10 years next week since the infamous grounding the club in the bunker uh, ruling that lost him that PGA championship. So I, I would like to see him win it 10 years later, you know, at a, at a different golf course. Interesting. I, I agree. Dustin Johnson is too great of a player in uh-huh. this generation to end with one major. Yep. Yep. Uh, maybe you guys have convinced me. I was going to say Berger. I just, I would love to see him get a win. Uh, probably wouldn't be great for, you know, the broadcast or the writers figuring that out. I, I think, but he would be a great winner. I would love to see Berger. I feel like he belongs sort of in that uh, younger sort of 2011 class discussion. And uh, so who do you think will win? So we've done, who do you think, meh, who do you think you want? Who do you think will win? Some of these could be duplicate. Andy, I, I'm gonna say Colin Morikawa. Wow, I think Brooks is gonna win. I, I think, think Kepka's gonna win too. Yeah, I think he's yeah. two back, and he 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 played well enough late to be there, and he didn't have his best stuff. Morikawa, 
Andy, to your point, which I totally agree with all the time, he shot 65, man. I mean, he, you know, he's going to have to shoot. Yeah. He's going to have to shoot 67 or below tomorrow to win, I think. I mean, unless it's blowing 40. I mean, I think he's going to have to get to 10 to win. And, uh, and you know, I mean, that's – he shot 69, 69, 65. I just think that's low. I, I feel like Kepka could go out there tomorrow, and if Kepka starts running up this leaderboard – the one name that Dustin Johnson would not want to see doing that is Brooks Kepka, and I just feel like that's the one guy that could kind of shake the the final couple of groups. What's yep. what's the number going to be? What do you guys think? Eleven, ten? Eleven's a playoff. Twelve wins, I think. Okay. I mean, it, I don't think it's moving that much. It only went up one today. Yeah, I think. I think, but you, but your point about Dustin, it Dustin's, yeah. you know, Dustin's not Hal Tong Lee. You know, I, I just. Yeah. I mean, Dustin has to shoot even now. I mean, it's it, it, listen, this is we've seen it before, for goodness sakes. But yeah. I, I just I feel like with this golf course, you know, it, it's going to be hard for Dustin Johnson. He's he's leading the field in putting. It's going to be hard for him not to go out there and shoot at least one under par and get the 10, you know? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's true. I, I think I think it'll be 11. I do think 11 wins. But um, OK, any games within the games, games within the game? I know we have one. Big Andy. Bill Speed. Big Bill Spieth. We don't need to talk about Spieth too much. Uh, well, we could do that in the week wrap-up. I mean, Brooksy Bryson is a great game within the game. That's Rory good versus Rory. <laughs> good Little Rory is a game within the game for sure. On the but, uh, Spieth, do you want to, Should we talk about that now, or do you want to push that to kind of we'll a whole push week that wrap-up? Let's put, I mean, that was dark. I mean, they're covering him the whole way, and they're mic'd up and everything. Like that's not happening on, you know. Saturday at the Colonial, where here out, you know, in the first wave, they just they were all over him and they had him mic'd up. It was it was tough. Duvall was calling for uh, coach change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Is there now? Here's a question I'll pose to you guys and only you. <laughs> Do you think Jordan Spieth is better friends with the guy he played with on Saturday or the guy he's paired with on Sunday? Oh, Palmer. I would say Palmer. I think so too. I think maybe you gotta gotta give the edge to Ryan Palmer. I mean, they're these guys are tight. teammates. They're buddy great, buddy, man. This is a great question. This is a very shock and start type question. And I my think, other thing I wanted to bring up to Andy is: Did you see who Tiger's paired with? Your boy. Who is it? Tom Hoagie. Oh, Tommy Tables. He might be taking a break from the tables tonight with the Tiger pairing. Doesn't want to be worse for the wear. Oh my god, Tom, Tom Hoagie! Unbelievable. You think Tiger? Look at that insight that you're bringing. This I is. Look, I was I was looking at some of these just to see if there was any of your shotgun start favorites paired together, and I saw two. I was all excited. I mean, this is the great kind of peril of Tiger's late career, as you can't be in contention every week, and like. I mean, here he is on Sunday at the PGA. He's playing with Tom Hoagie. He's in front of Jim Herman and behind Sepp Straka. And it's just like, how long do you keep doing that? How long do you want to keep coming to the the yard and doing that? I'm not suggesting like he doesn't want to win majors, but like, you know, he's just playing with some guys on a Sunday early and it's just now a chance to win. It's, it's not, it's, it's hard to do when you're the greatest of all time. The putter, the putter's been yeah. painful to watch. It's oh, just, been, just nothing. I, I think this is a thing. I heard he put a new one in the bag this week. Can we confirm that? <laughs> I'll look it up online and see if there's any stories about it. Uh, I was going to ask you guys this. 
you know, Dustin did a new had a new putter last week, and he's back to the spider that's working well for him. And Tiger brought a new putter out, and it's been horrible. And you know, we see him kind of tinker at times with it. Do you think the pros tinker too much? Because I, I, I sometimes think, it, you know, I mean, I know they have the availability of everything in the world, and they can use anything and everything all the time. But I sometimes feel like you get two weeks of something not working, and they're always switching the bat. Yeah. I don't. I, I have a better question for Andy. I don't think it matters. Here's, right? here's my over. answer. There's certain players like Adam Scott who can't tinker enough, who need to always be convincing themselves they figured it out. Gotcha. And then there's some players that should never do anything. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's never the, do anything. <laughs> yeah, never change anything. Why would you change? Like, why would Tiger change something? I don't. But the thing with Tiger, it reminds me of what we were taught, what we read about Fred Couples and how Couples just the back. You just can't practice putting if you've got a bad back, and it's not surprising to see P- Tiger. He hasn't played a tournament, and you know he's played one tournament and what six months and he's putting bad like no wonder like who wants to go, who's gonna go practice putting i had a sore back last fall the last thing i ever would want to do is go practice putting i don't like practicing putting when my back feels great there you go fantastic you, know, you got your putting woes you got coffee running over the side of the cup it's just there we go i think that's a perfect way to end uh Shane, any final thoughts? You need to get off. You've been more than gracious with your time. I know this no, happened I, I, last I, I, time. I, oh, it's any time. I mean, you know, okay. it's, it's, my, it's my favorite. I, I have to say, I listened, this is embarrassing to admit, but I listened to Saturday's episode. I was refreshing my app for Saturday's Shotgun Start episode because I was returning from a social distanced backyard cigar night with a couple of buddies Ah. after everybody went to sleep Ah. and i was biking back and i was refreshing on the bike my phone and it popped off and i said i got i'm gonna be one of the first downloads i I should get some sort of an mvp trophy here you're getting into that dad scene right the backyard stuff after everybody's gone to the with those the witching hour the late night hours after the neighborhood dads sort of come out to play and while you know find their way out to the sidewalk and different backyards and roam around as creatures of the night oh yeah this is with with services you you bring your own stuff you know you have your own little cooler like you don't just you don't show up and ask what they have you bring whatever (laughs) brands you want to use and everybody has their own setup that is it is such a dad thing nobody i mean granted it's it's a lot tougher to go out to do anything at this point but yeah that is when you send a message if you send a text message out to a group of dads (laughs) about something after the kids go to sleep you might as well throw meat in a lion's cage because everybody's like, wait, 845? We're meeting up on it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when yep. Strap goes to bed, we are out. Yeah, we'll yeah. be there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for hey, your time. More than great. Everybody should listen to Shane's two podcasts. Yes. I, I'm a big uh, Get a Grip listener. I li- try to listen every week. Sometimes I get to it. I don't have much time anymore to listen. I I only have runs, so I I listen to Max. I find that Max, I feel like Max and I think about the way, he's way better at golf, but listening to Max talk about golf helps me so much play better golf because he's like, don't swing hard with your driver. And I was like, oh, I stopped swinging hard and I started hitting my driver well again. 
So, I mean, Big Boy is not going to like that comment. No, he's not going to like hearing that at all. So get a grip with Max Homa, Shane Bacon, Max Homa, and the clubhouse with Shane Bacon. There you go. Them. Multiple you, podcasts out of the rotation. Thanks for your time. We'll be back Sunday. Will you have a podcast we're gonna have Sunday it. night? We, with, uh, coming Monday morning? Or yeah, we'll, have, will you we'll, post? Have a, we'll have a get a grip Sunday night uh, that will okay. post Monday morning with Max, who missed the cut, unfortunately. But uh, by the way, having a, somebody in a golf tournament that you really are passionate and care yeah. about wow. is I, it is so fucking stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. Am, it is horrible. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to watch this kid of mine play golf. I really yeah. don't know it because it is, it, 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 you know, he makes a bogey and I am just, I'm devastated. Just yeah. devastated. Yeah. It's yeah. the shot. And then you're just on the shot tracker all day. And you're just refreshing. Refresh. Yeah. Why isn't this happening? What's going on? He's got eight feet. What's taking so long? He had to have made it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Get a grip. We'll be, uh, they'll have a podcast out Monday morning recapping the week. We'll be back probably tomorrow night. Uh, thanks again to Shane Bacon for the time. And everyone enjoy the final round.